All right, Steph, I've got a question for you. What's your favorite book of all time? Uh, obviously, you met her where? Oh, I thought you were going to say the Bible. Oh, oops. <laughs> oh. What's your second favorite book of all time? You met her where? <laughs> a distant second. Totally distant. It's a pretty good book. Sorry, God. It's still a pretty, pretty good book. But we're so excited. Where can people get our book, honey? Okay, I know this. Uh, Amazon.com. Yes. Barnes & Noble. Yes, and? And our website, KevinStuff.com. And, and what happens if they buy it off our website? <gasps> what do they get? Uh, an autograph from us. Yes. Who wouldn't want that? Exactly. So, listeners, if you've already read the book, thank you so much. We've had such good feedback. One thing that helps us, if you can give us a review on Amazon.com, we would greatly appreciate it. Thank you so much, and thank you for listening. Hello, friends. Welcome to another episode of Tell Us a Good Story. Today, we have a very fun conversation with Josh Matthews, who has been in professional wrestling for almost two decades. So he tells some incredible stories about Brock Lesnar, The Rock, The Undertaker, and it's just so much fun. So hope you enjoy this episode of Tell Us a Good Story. This next guest is a big deal. You he is a big deal. He probably has the most people following him for Twitter. Right? True. But he's a big deal because, one, he's got his own Wikipedia page. Oh. And IMDb nice. page. He's got both. Well, aren't we fancy? Yes. So he's, he's definitely a big deal. So, ladies and gentlemen, our next guest has been the voice of Impact Wrestling for the last six years. Before that, he worked with the WWE as both an interviewer and commentator, but of all his accomplishments in life, the most impressive is him winning the heart and marrying Madison Rain. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome to tell us a good story, Mr. Josh Matthews. Hey guys, that was quite the introduction. I really appreciate that. I'm uh, actually, I didn't realize that I have my own IMDb page and I'm, I'm oh, really? looking at it right now. That's pretty interesting. <laughs> I had no idea. Well, when you're that big of a deal, you just, you don't even know all of your accomplishments that you have. First off, I want to say thank you for joining us after your wife pretty much volunteered you to be a guest on our podcast. So thank you for doing that, Josh. Well, she, she fell in love with you guys and um, has the book and is reading it every night and has been telling me different really? stories and things like that. Yeah, and, and it's, it's hard for us um, to connect during the week, especially when we have our daughter here. Um, it's kind of like ships passing in the night. So um, this weekend, we'll get a chance to kind of download each other on, on what's going on in our lives, which will be nice. <laughs> the second thing I want to say is congratulations to you on having like the coolest job in the world, quite honestly. <laughs> it's, 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 yeah, it's been uh, 18 years now. So it's kind of, uh, you know, um, I don't know what the word is at this point, but um, you know, it's, it's, it's fun. You know, the traveling was fun in my twenties. And uh, now that we're in impact and we don't travel as much, like it works perfectly in my, in my, uh, late, late, late 30s as right. we get ready uh, for the next 18 years of doing this. Because what was amazing to me 
with stuff I was looking at his, his background. He's not even 40 yet. And like, like he just said, he's almost got two decades of a career uh, in professional wrestling. That's very, very cool, Josh. So good for you. Yeah, it's, I, I started when I was, uh, I, I always wanted to be a wrestler. Like, that was like my thing when I was like 15, 16. I would tell people that and they would think that I'm insane. Like there's just no way that that's going to happen. And um, it did uh, through the reality show Tough Enough on MTV. And then um, uh, sort of morphed into being an announcer for WWE for as long as I was there, 13 or 14 years. And then with Impact now for the past, you said six. I, I, I'm so bad with dates, like any <laughs> dates I don't know. Um, but six sounds about right. So is it true that you built your own wrestling ring in your parents' backyard as a teenager? I, we bought a wrestling ring okay. and had it. So there was like 13 of us, me and my buddies and my two brothers. And um, I was 15 or 16. And we found a guy that had a wrestling ring. Um, and not super like this is like in the era before the internet, right? So we're like phones and phone books and searching. And um, we found this guy in Georgia who said, yeah, I'll sell you guys a ring for $2,000. And um, we said, okay, start driving it up. So we didn't have anywhere close to $2,000. Um, <laughs> and no parents were going to prove it, put their money in to a wrestling ring. So we uh, hustled and scratched and clawed. And um, we often say that in the wrestling business, we're all carny folk, um, just trying to, you know, manipulate people and try to do whatever we can. So that was my first experience into trying to carny someone out of, um, so we got him up there. And literally, I remember saying to my, my older brother, um, we have like $1,700. He's going to drive from Georgia. Like, what is he going to do? Say no and turn around and leave. Um, but we ended up getting the, the, the remaining $300 and, and bought a wrestling ring and it stayed in my parents' backyard for three summers. So that, incl- that included shipping the two grand. He brought it up. He put it together. And uh, I mean, it wasn't a great ring in hindsight. It, 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 it broke. And we had to, I remember one summer we had to use a, um, uh, car jack to keep one of the sides up and but it was like as other kids were out playing basketball or, or doing whatever playing in pools and trampolines like we were I was in the wrestling ring every day did uh, you wrestle in high school no um I played football till my junior year um they had asked me uh to be on the wrestling team when I was a freshman and um uh, I didn't, I wasn't into it. And then uh, once I got the wrestling ring, to me, that was it. Like that was, that was my focus was, was all there. That's all I wanted to do. And the thing was black, uh, black tarp with black ropes. So it would get so hot in the summer. Oh, I'd go out there I and hold it down and get it wet and, and still do what I was able to do, uh, even though it was 100 degrees. But um, yeah, those were, those were fine memories. Oh, that would get also wet my neck while, while you'll see me doing this a lot because my neck hurts from falling down <laughs> voluntarily um, over and over again. Oh, my gosh. So did anybody, any of your friends, brothers want to have the passion like you do for wrestling? Uh, no, I wish that they would have because um, they probably could have could have made it um, as far as I did. Um, but one of my friends, he's still... Um, he still is involved in it in a smaller level. Um, but no, the rest of them have gone off and since gotten real jobs, careers. So, yeah. Okay, listeners, and for Steph, all right, I'm going to give you a list of accomplishments of Josh. Okay, okay you ready for this? this? Yes. All right, so he already mentioned a couple, but Josh here was the runner-up in the very first WWE reality show, Tough Enough, in 2001 on MTV. Which we did watch some of it, yes. so we want to talk about that. Nice! <laughs> yes. All right. <laughs> you look a little different. 
Yeah, your hair's a little different. Yeah. I, I like it better now, Josh. <laughs> in 2002, he became a television interviewer for SmackDown and other Ooh, WWE shows. Okay. And then during his time on SmackDown, Josh even got inside the ring and has a 2-0 and record inside the ring. That's true. Yeah. He's been a, he's been a tag team wrestling partner with Booker T and Scott Steiner. What? He was one of WWE's correspondents at the 2008 Democratic and Republican National Conventions. So he was there to encourage fans to register to vote. Uh-huh. He's been the play-by-play commentator for ECW, NXT, SmackDown, Raw, WrestleMania 27. <sighs> And now at Impact Wrestling. And then he's also, I didn't know this, the VP of Digital for Impact Wrestling, in addition to his lead play-by-play commentating. Well done, Josh. Yes. That's a career. That sounds like a lot. Yeah, That's a resume, <laughs> my man. You guys, you guys got me here? Oh, oh that's, that's even so much, much better. better. Yeah. Oh, good. Okay. Yeah. Oh, that um, is much better. Okay, awesome. So... Impact's a funny company. When um, when I started there, it was still called TNA. And um, man, I'm like a New Yorker and I like going to like places in New York and, and happy hours and, and you're around pretty successful people. And I mean, it's called Money Making Manhattan for a reason. And I always thought like, God, I hate the name of this company. Like, hey, what do you do, guy in a, in a three-piece suit? I work for a company called TNA. Right. Like, <laughs> um, so I hated that, but um, so now we're Impact, which is awesome. But when I started there, like people were leaving, and and I would just take their jobs because I didn't know like how long this was going to last. So somebody in marketing left. Yeah, I'll do that. Somebody that ran the socials left. Okay, I'll do that. Um, so at this point, when when uh, Anthem, our new parent company, took over, I had like a like a like this long of things that I was doing, um, and I I enjoyed digital, but it was like running Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, Instagram, and our company's website. Um, on a day-to-day basis was just kind of daunting. Um, but I'm glad that I did it because I got to learn how to use YouTube. And I am uh, was I think I've lost it by now, but I had the YouTube certification for a little while. Oh, wow. And, um, but being able to, to sort of adjust and do those things. But now I'm, my new title is VP of Operations, which my wife always asks me, like, is that part of your job? Yeah, I, I don't really know, <laughs> but I'm going to do it anyway because, you know, what else am I doing at 4 o'clock? Right. So it's... Uh, it's fun. Yeah. But the, the good thing is um, I like to bounce around. So I get to work in every department in the company. I get to put my hands in, in talent relations and, and creative and merchandise. So that, that part to me is, is fun. So Josh, I am amazed when I see people like yourself, right? Where they had a moment in time that completely changed your life, mm-hmm. right? And so I look back and you know, we were looking at old videos earlier and of course, you're on the reality show, Tough Enough. And as I started thinking about you, how that moment at age, what, 19? How old were you? Uh, in 2000, I was 20, 20 at that point. Yeah. How that moment changed your life completely. So change your career, right? Changed probably who you would marry, right? Because sure. you marry a professional wrestler. Just how, it, it's, it's amazing to me. So how did you end up, I guess, on that show to begin with? So I was uh, a sophomore in college okay. at that point, and I'm doing my homework one night and uh, watching uh, Monday Night Raw, which is the WWE flagship show, and uh, the announcer started the promo for the reality show, and I was like, what? 
Um, so I stopped what I was doing immediately and I had my tape out, like all the things that you needed to do VHS tape, okay. um, back in the day and had it done and ready to go the very next day and sent it out. And the next week they started the promo again and they said, you know, we've got 10,000 submissions and here's a few that we've gotten. And they played a snippet of my video, my audition video. And I was like blown away. And to me that was like, okay, is that as, if that's as far as I get in this thing, that's awesome. Uh, then they whittled down the auditions, I think, after a few weeks. And uh, they invited, I want to say 5,000 people to New York. Oh, my gosh. Uh, yeah, to the WWE uh, New York restaurant, um, which was WWF New York at the time. And my wife wrote me a note. I want to take five minutes of their time when you're finished. <laughs> um, <laughs> so I fly to New York, first time ever on an airplane. Um, she's crazy, I right? I love her. Um, yeah. <laughs> First time on an airplane, I go to New York. I find out that my mom has this cousin in Brooklyn who I can stay with and, and meet her for the first time and her kids and um, go to this audition. And from 5,000 to 500 to 250 to the final 13 of us that got picked to live in the house. And um, yeah, then the experience started like literally like a week later. We flew home Ooh. and had to pack our stuff and, and get back to New York. And we were there. Um, the show was supposed to end uh, Thursday the week of 9-11, um, because Monday night, uh, we were in New York, in Times Square, at the restaurant, uh, doing a live hit on Raw, which was wherever it was. Oh, uh, in Texas somewhere. And um, so this was Monday night, we're at the restaurant, and literally having the debate, do we go back to Connecticut, which is where our townhouse was, or do we stay in the city for the night? And uh, we opted So was this, we opted to- So was this 9-10? That Monday night would have been yeah. on September 10th. Okay. Yeah. So we opted to uh, to go back to Connecticut. So um, um, at this point, WWE was paying for everything. So we had town cars and stuff like that. So we were able to have a good time in the city and two o'clock in the morning, head back up to, to uh, Connecticut. Woke up in the morning to find out that 9-11 had happened. So we would have been in Manhattan, um, you know, 40 blocks north of, of where, um, where the towers are. But it was... Uh, yeah, that was a weird, weird time. And then the show, the finale got postponed and we ended up having to stay for another three weeks. And, and then it was, uh, and then it was over at that point. But yeah, strange. Wow. Times. Oh my goodness. You were that where close. did you, where did you grow up? What state did you grow up? So I grew up in Indiana, uh, just outside of Chicago. Really? Uh, Northwest did. Indiana. Okay. Northwest. Okay. The region as, as it's called, if you guys are familiar with, uh, with that part of Indiana. Um, we're more Chicago suburb than we are like part of Indiana. Right. Oh, uh-huh. uh, okay. And then I moved to New York, well, Stanford, uh, for the show when I was 19 and then came back, uh, with W when I was 20, I think 21, 2021 when I started there. So how was your experience with tough enough and MTV and reality TV? How was that whole experience? I mean, it was pretty cool. Like I never wanted to be on TV. Like I just wanted to be a wrestler and that was kind of my driving force through all this, but the people at MTV were super nice. And when the show ended, um, they asked me if I would stay an extra day after the finale and audition to be a VJ. Um, cause they were getting ready to launch this new network called MTVU. And so I stayed and I auditioned and I like didn't do very well. I never auditioned before and had literally just lost the opportunity in my mind of my lifetime of now I'm not going to be a wrestler. Um, but they were super great and, and, and very nice. And, after it was all over, I ended up pitching a number of shows to MTV. Um, 
we got pretty far with one and then uh, something happened there. I can't remember, but um, uh, yeah, they were super, I mean, they were, everyone at MTV was, was, was always super nice to us. And, and I mean, our show was also the highest rated show that they had at the time. So there really? was a reason that they were nice to us, but <laughs> I mean, everyone was super great. So how long did you have to wait between the end of Tough Enough to the moment where they actually called you and said, Hey, we want you to be an announcer or interviewer. So tough enough. One ended. Uh, I lost, I went back to, uh, Indiana, re-enrolled in school and started doing, um, small independent wrestling shows. Okay. And my journey in wrestling is so different from everybody else. Cause I started here and then had to go back to here. And so I quickly realized that I didn't care for wrestling anymore. Um, on, on that level. Um, so I, I stopped doing that and I was just focusing on, on school and kind of figuring out what I'm going to do with my, with myself at this time. What were you majoring uh, in, in school? Uh, communications, okay. nothing like, I was just sort of Makes like, a, a, yeah. okay, I go to school because that's what you're supposed to do after high school. Yeah. Right. So, um, so, uh, I'm, I'm kind of giving up on the, on wrestling and then there's tough enough too. And they, uh, they filmed that show and then they wanted to do a reunion special. So I hadn't heard from anybody for, you know, a year or so or whatever, but they contacted me and said, you know, we want to fly you to New York, uh, give you some money as a per diem and, and put you up in Times Square for a few days. And sure, why not? So I went there and um, by myself, now I'm 21. So now I'm in uh, Manhattan in Times Square, cash in hand when I show up and I just do what a 21 year old would do. I'm just <laughs> popping back and forth from bar to bar and just having a great time by myself. Um, and the next morning I walk into the reunion special and somebody came up to me and they said, you had a good time last night. We had a bet that you weren't going to make it here. So I was like, I, yeah, of course I'm here, but what do you mean? And apparently wherever I had gone, there were people from both MTV and WWE that had seen me enjoying myself by myself and thought, you know, if you could do that alone, why don't you try to, so as the, uh, my first, their idea for me to be an announcer was to be sort of like this VJ and everything changes when you get to WWE once Vince McMahon kind of takes control of everything. But the original idea was that I would go there and kind of be like a host of VJ and just kind of do a lot of fun things. Not really the way it went, but that was sort of my entrance into, so uh, the reunion special ended. Uh, I flew back to Connecticut again, two weeks later, auditioned at uh, WWE headquarters and then I think they took like three weeks before they offered me. Wow. It was it was July, um, and when they offered me a, a full time job, and and I packed my bags. Mom and I drove to Connecticut, and and that was it. Age twenty one. Wow. Age twenty one. So you said you realized you didn't want to be a wrestler at that point. What I guess what turned you off from that? Well, I think I was when I started it was with my brothers and my friends. Then I went to Tough Enough and had a blast with the people there and stayed friends with uh, a few of them for quite a few years afterwards and, and had that relationship. And we were in a WWE <laughs> ring and we were treated like stars. We would come home at the end of the night and there would be XFL shirts uh, on our beds and, and gift, basks, um, gift bags every other night. And then it becomes the lonely, uh, hey, uh, so-and-so in Toledo wants to, you know, call me up and book me for a show. And, you know, now I've got to drive from Indiana to Toledo alone uh, in a rental car okay. four hours. And I remember I, and I tell this story to, to people that I work with all the time now and they, they think it's hilarious, but I was halfway to uh, a show that I was going to work like three or four days and realized halfway through the drive that this isn't for me. <laughs> so I turned around, went home, 
called the guy because no cell phones at this point, called the guy and, you know, wired him back his, his deposit. And, and that was it. I was done. Wow. On the way there, <laughs> 180. Yeah. So Steph, here's what's funny to me. Okay. So Josh, as an interviewer, has often got attacked by a wrestler. <laughs> okay, so when I was looking this up, Steph, he's been attacked by Kurt Angle. He's been possessed by The Undertaker. <laughs> he's been put in a sleeper hold by Dolph Ziggler. Received a Stone Cold Stunner by Steve Austin. That was on WrestleMania 27. Yep. And then he's been attacked by Kane and Brock Lesnar. What? And so I was looking at the Brock Lesnar clip earlier on YouTube and Josh makes a comment like back to uh, Brock as he's interviewing, like, hey, I'm just trying to do my job. And then Brock Lesnar takes him and like throws him into the wall. <laughs> and hilarious. But Josh, has there ever been a time where you're like, you know what? I don't think I want to do this, right? Because these are some big, scary dudes. So two things about that. Um, the Brock one is is probably my favorite. There was a that was that was our production truck that he had me held up against. Okay. And the truck, there's a ton of wires that run along the floor outside of it, and they go wherever they go. And I remember looking at him, going, um, "Hey Brock, we got to make sure that we that we you know don't hit these wires or whatever." And he started laughing. He was, "I'm gonna throw you so high over those wires. <laughs> don't even worry." Like they're. And I was like, oh, "Okay, great," because we're landing on concrete over there. Um, and, and not to sound. Um, I always did those and was so happy when I got to TV and saw those in the formats because in WWE, if anybody puts their hands on you, it comes with a pretty big payday. Oh, really? So I was motivated by, oh, I know I'm going to get X amount of dollars for this or, oh, this is good. I can go buy this <laughs> because Brock's going to take me and throw me through the air. So I never said anything. I just went ahead and did it. And afterwards, I, I knew that the following Friday, there was going to be a nice so like they would take care of us that way. So I, I, and, and if anybody ripped like a lapel on my suit, yeah. go get a suit like, like, like on them. Like, so that to me was like, Hey, this is great. So if I, oftentimes I would get the format like Friday before we left and the show would be Monday. So I'm like, okay, what's my worst suit that I can get ripped and then go buy a nice new suit um, and build a nice collection off of that. So those were, uh, I was never kind of, and I remember we were flying home one night, um, and oftentimes I had to, out of necessity, um, fly home with uh, Vince McMahon on his plane because I needed to be back in the studio uh, by 8 a.m. on Wednesday morning. Okay. So if we were somewhere in the West Coast, there was no commercial flight that was going to get me home. So begrudgingly, yeah. <laughs> the old man would let me fly home with him on his plane. And um, I remember one night we were flying back after somebody had beat me up and he was like, you never go and see the doctor after these things happen. I'm like, no, I'm good. And he's like, that's, that's pretty cool. He's like, oh, cool. Thanks. Like, oh, awesome. You know? And then that was kind of, um, but from then on, I think he actually enjoyed, got a little pleasure out of seeing me get beat up by his big monsters. So when you would get attacked or get thrown in the ring, <laughs> did your wrestling memories come back? Like, and you kind of bring those, how, like, like how, how to fall. Yes. Or how to fall. Or did you ever try to like attack you know, whoever was attacking you. You know, it's funny because um, I, I tried snowboarding in my mid-20s. And I remember going down the hill and starting to fall and did, like, instinctively landed on my back flat and, and got up. And my buddy was like, what did you just do? And I was like, well, what do you mean? He's like, well, I thought you were going to land on your neck. And then somehow you turned. And I was like, I think it's just from years and yeah. years of learning to fall. Like, even if... um if we were to like slip on anything in a restaurant, I feel like we would literally know, 
okay, tuck your chin and, and try to absorb everything and just know how to take that whatever blow is coming. And it's as weird as it sounds, like I think that we all have that sort of uh, uh, ingrained in us because that's, that's wrestling 101, day one, you're just learning how to, how to fall over and over and over again. Oh my gosh. So we talked about WrestleMania 27. What's the biggest crowd, I guess, that you've performed in front of, Josh? That that was it. WrestleMania 27, there was, uh, gosh, 97,000 people at the Georgia oh, Dome. Oh my goodness. And then a uh, million, I mean, probably a million, a little over a million plus watching on on pay-per-view. So that was that was definitely the the biggest. And then with Impact, um, this past show that we did in Slammiversary, now we're talking, we're comparing apples to oranges, but we had our, our biggest audience uh, to date on that pay-per-view. So, I mean, we're growing and, and trying to do everything we can to get in those 97,000 seat venues. What's your favorite memory with WWE? Um, that's a tough one. Um, There's so many. I mean, I was there for so long. I think just traveling the world and, and being able to see different places, going to the UK every November, and uh, we would go twice a year, November and uh, March, right after WrestleMania, March or April. Um, uh, the, the friend, I mean, I'm still friends with probably three or four guys and I am like in the wrestling business, we always say like, okay, we'll see you down the road. And you know, when you're in the same company, uh, you often become super great friends. And then when somebody leaves or whatever, you kind of fall out of touch, but just being, um, being around everybody and, 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 you know, riding in John Cena's bus from town to town for, for, you know, when he first got it, uh, that wasn't a thing that the guys did. They would always get rental cars. And then the undertaker came up with this great idea to get a bus. Um, and then other guys followed suit and, and John would let us ride with him. And you know, those nights, long nights on the road, but, but fun nights. All right. I have some names for you. All right. And I'm hoping you can give us some good, like little stories from each of these. Okay. Okay. First one's Brock Lesnar. He just, he's a dude that just sticks to himself. Like really? he, uh, like, uh, from buses, like Brock has his own plane and he will fly to the city and he will fly home. He's a family man and he wants to go home to his wife and kids and, and be left alone. And that's Brock. He, he's one of those guys that I look at every time I see on TV, like I get nervous and I'm not even in the room. He's such a scary freak of nature. Like this guy, he's massive, his shoulders, how big he is. And then every time I see him on TV, you just don't know what he's going to do. So. I kid you not. When he would walk down the hallway, I would try to find a room to duck into because, to your point, a scary-looking yes. human being. And then he's got the tattoo of the knife on his chest and everything else. So, yeah, you know, just stay away from him. Oh. I, what about Vince McMahon? Is he – How is top he? of a character yes. behind the scenes. I, I, yes and no. Super approachable. And, and he – I mean – I, I hear now it's changed, but when I was there, you could knock on his door and, and go talk to him and, and have a conversation. And, you know, I don't know if it was because I did have those nights on the plane with them and, and, you know, kind of work mode turned off. I had a different relationship with him, but always super approachable and, and, and yes, larger than life. But if you take that part away and then you see him with his grandkids, if, if um, Stephanie or Shane were to bring any of their kids to the shows and then he turns into grandpa real quick mm -hmm. and he's on the floor. And um, I mean, I think that um, he, he has his persona that he created that he wants everyone to see. But but behind the scenes, I mean, just a just a genuine human being. All right. The Rock. Um, here's a story about The Rock. Rock was in <laughs> WWF. 
Um, he leaves and goes and becomes famous. And I, I want to say that I was there for like the tail end of him just being a wrestler, right? Um, because I had met him. Then he leaves and um, goes and becomes Dwayne Johnson. You know, The Rock is dead and then brings The Rock back and, and, and finally comes back to wrestling. And we're walking down the hall together and he's coming one way and I'm coming the other way. And I said, uh, hey, Dwayne. And he said, hey, Josh. And I was like, this dude remembered my name. <laughs> like, what? <laughs> like, this is like, like, I just stopped in my tracks. I was like amazed. Like, like what a dude. Like, like that he, I mean, it was just he and I, and, and it was, you know, and then I, we were, I was doing all the shows at that point. So I had to go and talk to him about whatever movie he was promoting, Scorpion King or whatever it may have been. And like, hey, you know, Dwayne, I'm thinking about saying this for the movie. Yeah, that's great. Thanks. Really appreciate it. You know, it comes out Friday, whatever. And okay, cool. Thanks, man. And just like, uh, just just a genuine dude, just a, like a good dude to remember my name after all those years. And, and I mean, WWE, there's hundreds of people walking around backstage and, and I thought that right. was pretty cool. That's awesome. The undertaker. He's another one that I would try to avoid. Um, <laughs> but, um, I, Big. I always flew, uh, at that point in my life, I was flying United and, um, cause, uh, living in the Northeast United was, was great. And, but I would often have to connect through Texas where he lives. So I'd find myself on very early morning airplane rides with the undertaker. Um, so I remember one flight, something happened to him the night before, like somebody like legitimately threw something into his eyes and, and he, he couldn't see the next morning. Um, and he's his wife who was a wrestler um, is helping him on the plane and they get on. And I said, well, Michelle, why don't you let me go wherever you're sitting and, and you can sit with him and, and, take care of him as he needs to be. And uh, she's, nope, uh, you're in first class and, and I'm in the back. And I was like, oh, it's no big deal. I don't, you know, I'll just go back there. I don't care. And, and she insisted. And I looked at him like, dude, I'm, I'm sorry. And he was like, nope. He's like, I've often bought her a first class ticket and she's given it to one of the wrestlers. Like, all good. She's not going to take your seat. Um, and then to find out that he's a big college football fan. And, and so am I. And, and we ended up having really uh, conversations about, you know, Texas football. And, and, and I was a Notre Dame fan at that point and um, have since switched um, to the Oregon Ducks. But um, nonetheless, uh, we had a, you know, common, you know, thing that we could, you know, kind of relate to in college football. When he is not in character. Do people still recognize him when he is going on planes? Yeah. And he was super protective of the character that in the mornings, if people would come up to him at the airport and ask for a picture, he would say no, but he would say, look, I'll sign anything you want, but, but I'm Mark right now. You know, I'm not the undertaker and I don't want to be, you know, photographed as such. Like he just got social media uh, not too long ago. Cause I think he was just so protective of this is the undertaker always nice to those people that he wouldn't take a picture with, but, but, uh, you know, just wanted to make sure that he wasn't seen as Mark and not the undertaker. Right. I'm surprised he could fit in a, in a first class chair on some, those flights. Some of those ERJs that United was flying at the time, there, there are guys that they had to buy them two seats because they just can't fit, can't fit in those <laughs> oh small God. planes. Yeah. Uh, Ken Shamrock. We get to work with Ken still now, and uh, he's another dude that, like, Ashley had him on her uh, talk show, which is a part of our show, and she was like, I'm nervous to talk to Ken. I was like, really? Like, that's, that's, but if you look at his body of work and, and the UFC Hall of Famer and everything that he's done, um, we'll be inducted into our Hall of Fame uh, at the end of the year here in October. Just, um, but he's just a, he's a good dude. Like, you know, he's another one sticks to himself, but if you talk to him and get him going on certain things, like, He's more than happy to, to, to have a conversation. I want to go old school. 
And I don't know if you have had any contact, but Hulk Hogan and Macho Man Randy Savage. I never met Randy Savage. Okay. Um, but Hulk Hogan, Tough Enough Ends, and um, right when it ended, there was this new wrestling company getting ready to start. And here I am, like, brand new to this world, and it was called the XWF. And it was run by Hulk Hogan, uh, Jimmy Hart, and uh, the Nasty Boys. And there was a couple okay. others involved in this. And they had some financial backing, and, and they called me and said, we'd like to bring you on board. And uh, we're shooting uh, – I don't know, six or seven episodes at Universal Studios in Florida. Um, I said, yeah, sure. Like, I'm not under contract to anybody at this time. So I went down and uh, Hulk Hogan comes up to me. And this is unheard of in the wrestling world um, because the rookies are always supposed to go to the veterans and introduce themselves and shake hands and all that. Um, He comes right up to me, sticks his hands out and says, my son Nick and I watched Tough Enough. Every episode, we really wanted you to win. And I was like, uh, uh, oh, oh, all right. Uh, yeah, all right. See ya. Um, I was like blown away. And then they had their reality show and, and Nick, who then Hulk brought to the tapings of the XWF, like he was six or seven years old. And then like now he's, you know, in his twenties or whatever. And, uh, but I watched their show, Hogan knows best. And right. like, I was like, yeah, I, I, you know, I know them kind of. And then I saw Hulk, uh, at the Tampa airport, uh, a few years ago and he walked by and everybody's looking at him and I sort of slapped him and he looked like what in the world and I was like hey dude and he's like oh hey Josh what's up like and then we talked for a few minutes I was like thank god he remembered who I was because I, I got him pretty good on the arm like oh, on act I think it was just like hey there's Hulk Hogan right and, uh, but uh yeah he's a good dude <laughs> okay last one my favorite wrestler of all time Madison Rain oh your favorite wrestler of all time Madison <laughs> Uh, I'm not sure what she told you guys about about us, but I mean, I just, um, yeah, I um, my first tape, my first show. I, did she tell you guys that story about how we? No. Okay, so uh, I started with Impact in let's see, I left WWE in July. Uh, I started with Impact in August. Um, so there was nothing going on in Impact's world between August and um, January. So I moved to Tennessee, moved to Nashville, sort of got acclimated, was working in the office every day. And um, so the first time I meet anyone on the roster is in January. And I'm like a grizzled veteran at this point. So I'm angry that I've had to leave my house and staying in a hotel and we're all, you know, around all these people every day. So I walk into the, to the makeup room where she's sitting and she says to me that we've never met at this point. Um, hey, Josh Matthews, you know, you can smile every once in a while. And I sort of looked up like, Who's, how dare somebody talk to me? Um, I can't remember what I said. I, I think I used some foul language right over there. So I said something along the lines of, um, I just want to go home, maybe a little more colorful than that, and walked away. And um, so that was our first sort of uh, interaction together. So, Josh, with us doing this podcast, mm-hmm. typically I say one stupid thing every podcast and I edit it out. Now, Steph says I say more like five stupid things every conversation, but looking at you, live TV would make me super nervous. A a live podcast would make me super nervous. Have you ever had a situation you screwed up a line, you had a, a faux pas because, I mean, live TV, you can't, you've got one shot here to speaking to the microphone, whether it's an interview or commentating or have, have you ever had any issues with live TV in the past? Oh yeah. I mean, um, gosh, I, um, at the time when this happened, I was like humiliated and embarrassed and, um, I had a nosebleed on live TV. 
and uh, the camera's getting ready to come to each individually commentator team. And I get nosebleeds. Like if you flick my nose, it's just going to go. Um, <laughs> and now, especially in certain times of the year, when the air is real dry, it, it, it'll bleed. And it had bled like all morning. And I was in, I was in Atlanta and uh, they get ready to come over to our commentary team. And my nose is just, just going. And now you're stressing about it. And now I'm, it's coming more and more. And I was humiliated <laughs> and, uh, you know, they, they went to a graphic real quick when they realized it was coming, but you, you, you could see it. I would love to know if you could introduce Kevin and I into the ring as wrestlers. I want to hear <laughs> like your. Oh, I don't do that. <laughs> <laughs> we have to get the ring announcer. You guys can interview the ring announcer. Um, I'm horrible, 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 horrible at uh, like the ring announcing because I tried it once or twice. I'm literally the reason why WWE now has a voiceover at the beginning of a live event because they just really the button and there's a guy that says, ladies and gentlemen, this show is blah, 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 blah. That's because I had to go out there and do it once in Madison Square Garden because um, they played a joke on the current ring announcer and said, this show is themed. You need to dress up like a, like a character. So he gets vampire, makeup, teeth, <laughs> all these things. And he's now a vampire because I think it was around Halloween. He walks into the gorilla position, as we call it in WWE, um, and Vince McMahon sees him and goes, what the? are you doing? Uh, I was told this was a Halloween episode. No, it's not. Go get <laughs> up off and go get a regular suit on. So he bolts to the back and now I'm getting, cause we wear IFBs and I'm getting called to gorilla. Okay, great. So I run up, go in the ring and do the opening ring. And I don't know. Go right now. So I go in and I, I have heard him do it every week for, you know, a few years. And I was so bad at it. And just literally like, you have to say like the sort of like auspices or something. Anyway, it was horrible. So I, I wouldn't want to embarrass you guys by trying to. to <laughs> That's a good story. I wasn't expecting That's that to better. come out. That's yeah. even better than yeah. being introduced. Because yeah, we wanted to test your skill set of, of going from this conversation to mm -hmm. you ramping it up to 11 on what that would sound like. Um, well, the funny thing is, I, I've always said that when I'm doing uh, commentary, I just try to talk normally. Like, I just try to talk like this. Um, on certain areas, uh, you know, ebbs and flows and things like that and peaks and valleys and all those fun words that we use as announcers. But I remember um, in WWE, we would audition people as announcers all the time. And I was always the one that auditioned them because I lived in Stanford. I can get to the studio in five minutes. And I remember this one dude. He was a hockey announcer and talked normal during his like interview part as he's interviewing people. Then we go into the booth to call stuff and he like changed his voice. And I looked over and I literally said to him during the audition, like, dude, what are you doing? Like, that, <laughs> you, you didn't sound like that five minutes ago. You sounded normal. Now you're trying to be Harry Carey and, and have this weird like voice. Radio voice. And he kind of looked at me like, this is like, and I was like, dude, that, okay. He didn't get hired, by the way, that guy. So. <laughs> Oh, that's funny. So yeah. there's no stage, no no radio voice then? No. What you see is what you get or what you hear is what you get. Kind that's of, sort of, yeah. Yeah. No, that's good. Well, Steph, do you have any other questions for Josh? Well, I have lots of questions, but the last time I got in trouble with Madison <laughs> because you're like, okay, you have any more questions? Well, yeah, I have a ton of questions, <laughs> but I know I get in trouble. Okay. So. One more question for Josh. Okay. So you live Northwest Ohio or Northwest Indiana. Madison's a huge Cubs fan. Did you, were you a Cubs fan growing up? Anything like that? I wasn't a baseball fan per se, um, but I lived there during the Sammy Sosa, Mark McGuire deal. So we oh. would, yeah. So we would get bleacher Good seats era. for like thirteen bucks, and you know, kids with no money, and make our way to Wrigley and um, go. I love going to baseball games. Not a huge fan of baseball, but I love going to games because 
you know, give me a beer and a hot dog and put me outside for three hours and I'm a happy dude. Well, ladies and gentlemen, for more information out about Josh, you can go to Twitter at Real Josh Matthews or his Instagram account at Josh Matthews, and that's Matthews with one T. And make sure to check out Josh and his wife, Madison Rain, in action when Impact airs on AXS TV every Tuesday night on channel 1430 here in, no, 1340 mm-hmm. here in Columbus. Okay, I have one more question. Oh my yeah. gosh. One more question. How did you get Josh, Ma- Josh Matthews? For real? Yes. Um, my favorite TV show as a kid was Boy Meets World. And Corey oh Matthews. yes, yes, love yep. it. That's how it was, came to be. What was his girlfriend's name? Topanga. Pe- Topanga. I was gonna say Petunia, but that was Topanga. <laughs> yes, love that show. Yeah. Yes. Oh, that's so awesome. Show the nineties. Right? Yeah. Well, sure. Well, Josh, sure. thank you so much for coming on with us. This was an absolute blast. I love your stories. Yeah, Thanks, let's do Josh. it again, guys. Really appreciate it. Listeners, if you like what you just saw, like what you just heard, please go to iTunes, go to YouTube, and subscribe, rate, review this podcast. That's the only way we'll be able to continue to produce this. Where else can they go, Stephanie? They can go to kevinandsteph.com. That's all I know. So, is that it? You crushed it. Yes, crushed it. Thank you, listeners.